0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Fort Podcast. My name is Chris Powers, and I wanna thank you for joining me today. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering real estate, business, entrepreneurship, and investing. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at Fort Worth Chris on Twitter. And if you've enjoyed this show, I would be super grateful if you would follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to. And if on Apple, it would mean a lot if you'd leave a rating and review. Last but not least, you can find all these episodes on YouTube. Thank you so much again for joining me and enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Fort Capital. I know what you're thinking. Here goes Chris talking about Fort Capital again, but guys, it's important to me. Fort Capital is a real estate investment firm based in Fort Worth, Texas. That's why my Twitter handle is Fort Worth Chris. We have a track record of transacting more than 1.4 billion in assets throughout Texas. That's crazy to me. 17 years ago, I bought my first house for hundred thousand dollars. The team over at Fort is currently looking to acquire class B industrial deals between 10 and $75 million throughout the major markets of Texas. In fact, Fort capital was named the fastest growing real estate company in Texas by Inc magazine last year. To learn more about Fort Capital, visit www.fortcapitallp.com. So today is a special day because it is the 200th episode that I've done. And it's crazy to think about. I started this podcast in December of 2018. And honestly, I had no freaking idea where this thing was going to lead me in my life. I think actually in the first episode... Which is still there today, my three minute intro. I literally say this might last five or 10 episodes. And at the very least, if nobody listens, maybe, you know, I'll have some cool conversations recorded that I can listen to later in life or my kids might be interested in. And fast forward, you know, three and a half years and 200 episodes later, here we are. And I can genuinely say from the bottom of my heart, I love doing it more today than I ever have. It has brought me a ton of joy because I have gotten to meet a lot of people, uh, which I love to do, and I've gotten to stay very curious and ask them lots of questions, which I might like doing even more. And it's just opened up so many doors, uh, both professionally, personally, spiritually, kind of all the above. And so, I would say that the podcast has been one of the highlights of my life. And today's episode is a little bit of me answering questions and a little bit of just kind of things I've learned along the way. Uh, But I want to thank everybody here uh, listening, especially those that have been listening for a while. Uh, It means a lot. And it's the support and the people that reach out and the high fives that kind of motivate me to keep going. You know, I could read hundreds of messages that I've gotten over the last couple of years about, you know, episodes that have changed people's lives or, uh, you know, helped them think about something differently, or maybe they were depressed and now they're not. So it's that kind of stuff on top of my natural curiosity, uh, that has kind of pushed me to keep going. And, you know, I sit here today and I say, I can't wait for the next 200 episodes. I'll tell a quick story. Um, And I want to give a lot of credit to Johnny Peterson, who's actually sitting in the room with me right now. And he sat here for 200 of these episodes. Uh, That's a lot of time. We spent a lot of time together. But the story I want to tell is, I don't know if the podcast would actually exist. Um, It certainly wouldn't have been as professionally done if it wasn't for him. Um, But the story is... About how it started, but it's also a story that I think a lot of, especially younger people, should listen to. So essentially, I had the idea to start the podcast. And at the time, podcasting, and it's, I still think podcasting is early. And I'll talk about that um, later on what, you know, the state of podcasting and how I think about it. But it's early. But, you know, three and a half years ago, it was really early. And, the first podcast I ever did, I literally uh, downloaded the Anchor app and like set a phone down between me and the other guy, and it was so poorly done, uh, it was laughable. And I remember somebody telling me early on that you know how professional it sounds is a huge deal. Nobody wants to listen to something that's really scratchy, no matter how good the content is. It you know it can only get old. You know, maybe if you're interviewing Elon Musk or something, people overlook it. But in general, if people are going to spend the time to listen to you, they want to listen to you at a quality um, that's interesting to them. So it's like, okay, this isn't going to work. And I live in Fort Worth, Texas. There's not a lot of podcast producers or audio engineers walking around the streets. And so I did what I always do. And here's maybe a tip that anybody running businesses should do is I emailed the business school. Or maybe it was the communication school. I can't remember. Johnny, what was it? The business school. And I said, you know, I'm looking to start a podcast. I need to be introduced to the top podcasting student at TCU. And to follow up on that, what I was saying earlier is we've actually done that in marketing. We've done that for accounting. If if you are in a city with a college town and you're looking for you know, somebody that wants to work hard, email the business school, email one of the schools, tell them to send their their best. And you would be shocked how many times that has worked out, not only here with this podcast, but at Fort Capital and other areas of my life. Um, there's a lot of talent in your your town, and and it could be right down the road. But anyway, I said, Great, send them over to my office. And about two days later, I set a meeting with Johnny Peterson and You know, candidly, I've met with a lot of young folks uh, over the years, and some of them are super impressive, and some of them are just not impressive. You know, some of them will tell you they're going to follow up, some don't. Some, you know, show up prepared, some don't. But I would tell you that Johnny showed up and blew me out of the water immediately. Um, He didn't actually probably even know why I was trying to get a hold of him other than I was interested in a podcast and he showed up and he had done all this research on me, my business, my company, he had written down all these ideas about what we could talk about and what the podcast could be about and how we would get guests and at the time Johnny had a podcast and would tell and and showed me how he was doing his podcast and how we would record and how we would edit and it was just this full presentation and the thing that struck me of all of that was He just showed up ready in the moment. And Johnny, to this day, now runs a six-figure business editing podcasts for some of the best podcasts out right now, many of which you know. He's now 20, what are you, 24, 20, just turned 25, getting married. And he's turned this, and I wouldn't say it was this meeting that turned his life around, but he took a moment and ran with it. And now, um, you know, we're very close, but he now manages 15 plus podcasts. Um, It's one of the most professional operations. And I would just say, um, you know, that's a story of showing up in the moment. You never know when the moment could be, which, you know, that's fun part of life. But showing up could lead to, you know, really interesting things and, and change your life. And, you know, Johnny's told me multiple times that meeting him that day, uh, changed his life, and uh, I'm sitting here saying, "Yeah, it changed my life too." Because uh, without that help, I don't know if I would have done this podcast, or I certainly, if left to my own devices, it wouldn't have lasted very long. So, thank you to Johnny Peterson. Um, if you've enjoyed this show and the quality of it, all kudos to him. And you can uh, you can get in touch with him on uh, Twitter at Johnny Podcasts. So. Again, more of the early days, I was nervous as hell to start the podcast, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, you know, in general, I'm kind of an extrovert. I'm also kind of an introvert, um, you know, really kind of marketing focused and have always been interested in sales and kind of building a brand. But getting on a mic and talking and, and you know, releasing these episodes isn't the easiest thing. And what I would tell you is um, if you're thinking about creating a podcast or anything like it, just record some episodes. You don't even have to publish them. Just get behind a mic and start talking. Maybe record a few and let some people listen and see what they think. But it wore away quickly. Any nerves I had wore away quickly. And it's what drives me uh, now is now that I'm through that, it's again, the, the positive feedback that keeps me going. It's helped me develop more of a ability to get on the mic and ask questions and Um, it's helped me socially outside of here, but it's really helped me build, you know, a confidence that, you know, only podcasting can give you. And so if you're listening to this and you're nervous about podcasting or you're interested and, you know, haven't pulled the trigger, everybody's nervous. It takes a few episodes, but I can promise you, if you put in the work and you kind of get through those early days, it gets much better and it's awesome. It has helped me meet so many people. When you record a podcast with someone, what's interesting is you don't just record the podcast with them, but often they're going to share that with their inner circle, which could be a couple people, but oftentimes it could be a lot of people, especially if they work at a big company. And so I always tell folks, you know, not only am I getting to know that person better that I'm interviewing or having a conversation with, but I'm also indirectly getting to know the network around them. And I can't tell you how many times I've met somebody on the streets that, you know, was good friends with somebody I had on and they got to listen. And, you know, one of the really cool things about podcasting is you get to hear somebody's voice. And I think that we underestimate how we as humans take in audio and the inflections in people's voice. You don't have to be in a room with somebody to know what they're what they're going through, as long as you can listen to them. I think we can hear somebody's situation. You can hear it in the tone of their voice, when they get happy, when they get sad, when they get mad, when they get confused. So if I was to take all these podcasts and just transcribe them on paper, and you read that, I just don't think it would have near the impact as when you heard it. And so when other people are listening to the podcast... In a way, they're getting to know you in a way that they couldn't. And on top of that, you know, podcasting is amazing because you can listen to it at any time, anywhere. You just put headphones in. You don't have to watch a video. As long as you have headphones and something to play, you can do it while you're working out, while you're on a walk, while you're in the office. Um, you can do it anywhere. And so it's a very pure form of communication. You can feel the feelings, you can hear the feelings, and you can do it from anywhere and you know i've been vocal in prior episodes and on twitter saying you know one of the favorite things i look forward to with all these episodes and i got a long way to go because my kids are young but my kids are going to get to listen to hundreds if not thousands of hours of me having conversations god bless them if they listen to all of them i'm not expecting them to listen but from somebody who lost their father And the most important, one of the most important things he left me was actually a couple of voicemails. They don't say anything special, but I get to hear his voice and it's impactful. And so I just think that not only will my kids get to listen to it, but their kids might get to listen to it. And their kids' kids, we're living in this world where you can literally, you know, download this stuff or, I mean, record this stuff and it can be shared forever and you can talk about anything. You know, the other thing I like about podcasting, especially right now is this Joe Rogan controversy is going on, and I'll be very vocal and say I am in 100% support of Joe Rogan, is all you need is a microphone and a couple headsets and something to record on. And it's often very pure form of communication because these podcasts, and I know a lot of podcasters there is no gimmicks there is no ivory tower there is no conference rooms of tons of executives meeting about what the you know conversation should be that day and how it should be spun and what we can say and what we can't and it's just a very raw back and forth and there just happens to be a microphone in the middle and so one of the reasons i'm so in support of joe rogan is forever what mattered was him setting up an opportunity for his guests to come share what they could share unfiltered. Uh, The questions aren't predetermined. These conversations often go on for three and four hours. You can watch them. You can actually feel and relate to what's going on because these conversations happen like conversations happen in everyday life. And if I tie that back to um, you know, the first couple episodes and why I said I started this was I felt like pre podcast, I was having all these amazing conversations. I'm very fortunate to have a lot of cool people in my life. And I naturally am inquisitive. If you know me, if you're my family, my friends, you know, if I sit you down, you're in for a lot of questions was going, I need to record these. I'm always going back and telling people about all this cool stuff I heard. And Maybe I'll just start recording them, and so I think podcasting is early. It's changed my life. I I can't speak highly enough. I think it's one of the purest forms of communication. You don't need a huge budget to start one, and I'm really excited about where the podcast industry is headed. I'm excited about where I think this podcast could go, and I'm just really bullish on it. And I think you know, as folks in this country, that love freedom and and, and really believe in free speech, podcasting might be the savior of that free speech and we should defend it uh, because it matters and it's still early. Lastly, I want to thank uh, my assistant, Amanda, who does a lot of the behind the scenes work to make this possible so that I have the time to come to the mic and record And, um, everything else happens, you know, kind of the way it does, which is always better than I could imagine. Last couple things on just the podcast, and then we'll move on is we are now, you've noticed we are taking on sponsors. I want to thank Juniper Square and CRE Models who have sponsored the podcast to date and will continue to do so. Um, but this year we're looking to partner up with more sponsors on this show you know what I talk about in this show. And so if you know of a business that aligns with what we're talking about, we would love to meet them. They can email us at thefortpodcast at gmail.com. We already have a Twitter account at The Fort Podcast, but the day that this is released, uh, we will also start an Instagram account, which is at The Fort Podcast. So if you have an Instagram, I uh, would appreciate a follow. Okay, so now uh, I'm going to pivot a little bit. And the other day, um, I guess I hit a Twitter milestone. I got to 50,000 followers. Thank you for all 50,000 people that have found interest in something I had to say and have put up with me. Uh, I know it can't be easy. Uh, My wife could agree with that too. And I put 50 thoughts on business and I put them in no particular order and I thought it might be fun to kind of go through um, some of them and maybe expand a little bit so that uh, there was maybe a little more nuance. So these are things that after 17 years in business, I have learned. There's probably a lot more things, but these were the first kind of 50 that came to mind. And so uh, here we go. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. I would just add building anything great is a lot of hard work. Uh, I think the last couple years, and maybe not so much in the current moment, but for a lot of the last two years, it just seemed like making money was so easy, whether it was stocks or crypto or even real estate. Everybody was just making hand over fish. You didn't need any skill, and it seemed like investing was the greatest thing ever. But even so, on business, creating a business and anything durable that grows and has lots of employees and employees that are committed and employees that are committed for a long time and businesses that create a lot of free cash and profit, it's really hard. And over the last 17 years, I've had so many opportunities brought to me that I thought this just is easy. This is almost like free money. And almost every single one of those has been a failure and if it seems too good to be true it probably is and that's not even just on business even when you're hiring people it can feel like in an interview you're going to hire the person that is going to change the company forever and it's just rarely ever the case so i always default to anything that is worth having and anything that is great in this world for long periods of time comes with a lot of hard work and anything that is too good to be true probably is just that too good to be true for the majority of companies an inch an inch wide and a mile deep goes further than an inch deep and a mile wide focus the best thing i ever did at fort was steer the business to become more singular focused we decided to drop everything we were doing which was a lot of things and focus on one thing And when you're focused on one thing, a lot happens. You compound knowledge really quick. If I just took our business in general, you see lots of deals, the same type of deals in Class B Industrial. And when you've seen a thousand of them, it's easy to understand what a good one looks like and a bad one looks like. You can scale that knowledge across a team. When you're bidding on the same materials to fix each property and you know what those materials are going to be. You get better at ordering them. You get better at pricing. You become a better vendor at those suppliers and you build better relationships. When you're dealing with the same brokers over and over on that asset type, you build deeper relationships with them. You learn more from them. When you go to a lender and they ask you what you've been up to and you say, all we've done for the last five years is this, they want to lend you money a lot more than they want to lend money to The next person in line that brought him a townhome deal one day and an office deal the next day, ask me how I know that. When you are recruiting people and you can tell them one story, this is what we do and we do it amazingly well. You can hire some amazing talent. The more you focus on one thing, it's not just the one thing that gets better, but it's everything in that ecosystem that becomes better and deeper. And so for most folks, going an inch wide and a mile deep is much more important to start your career. Now, what happens when you focus and you build for a long time is you can use that flywheel of focus to get into other things without losing the core competencies. And so if you take someone like an Apple that got really good at creating the MacBook a long time ago or the Macintosh, now they have iPhones they have Apple TV, they have all of these different things. What they have at the center is an innovation-based company that is leveraging all of the knowledge that they built over decades to create new products, and it doesn't feel like heavy lifting. With Fort, we are going to use everything that we've learned about Class B and gotten great at, and over time, the machine will allow us to crank out new ideas without disrupting the machine. But you can't get there unless you focus for long periods of time. You can't make a good deal with a bad person. That's pretty self-explanatory. There are a lot of bad actors in this world. And I think humans have an amazing ability to detect that. Now, whether they follow through on their detection takes experience. But the best business people I've ever seen can sniff out a bad actor and they get out immediately. And bad actors also, uh, you know, to tie it back to number one, are often people that bring you something that's almost too good to be true. And they know that there's somebody that's going to fall into it. And so the best deals are made with good people. Stay away from bad people in business. It's hard to make a great deal with them. Learn about others' track records before making decisions to work for or invest with them. That's very simple. Before making an investment with somebody or in a company, Spend some time getting to know what they've done before, who they know, what they've been successful at. That's a very simple question. And anybody that can't provide you a track record, you might want to ask why. If the answer is we just got started, well, that's just something to know. You know, I, I, kind, of, I kind of speak out of both sides of my mouth here because I was once that person that had no track record and a lot of people bet on me. So this isn't a don't bet on people without a track record, but understand that they don't and know what you're betting on. But for the folks that do have track records, I would almost always invest with someone that's a second time founder or has done this consistently well over time. You eliminate a lot of risk when you're investing with somebody that's walked the walk many times before they've taken your dollars. People are assets, not expenses. Invest in your people. This idea changed my life forever. There's so many business owners that look at their people as expenses on a P&L and you hear often, I can't afford that person. A lot of times, the folks that say that can't afford not to have that person, but they don't understand it yet. The best people on this planet produce. They're expensive and they produce. And what I would tell you at Fort is as soon as we started treating our people like assets that were worth nurturing and investing in and believing in those assets, our company got better. Every time we add someone to our business, while sure, the expense technically goes up on the P&L, what I would tell you is so does the revenue and so do the profits. Great people produce, they do not subtract. A players wanna work with A players. A players wanna work with the best people in the game. In fact, they wanna work with people better than them because those other people make them better. B players wanna work with C players because B players always wanna be the smartest and best in the room. So A players wanna work with A players and B players wanna work with C players. Everyone in the business should have an understanding of how the company makes money. This helps them understand how their actions impact the business. It's crazy to me that there's businesses out there where folks, where the majority of the company has no idea how the company is actually making or losing money. How do you expect great ideas, collaborative ideas, innovation to occur at any level of the company when the business model has been kept to 10% of the company? Build a culture where everybody is invited to understand how the business makes money and loses money, and you will be shocked at the ingenuity and the ideas that will come out of your people. You know, if you're a CEO and you're listening to this, your view of your business is your view of your business. But what you're missing is there's everybody in your company has a different view day to day. They're dealing with different people. They're hiring different vendors. They're seeing different things. And if those people can't take what they're seeing and translate that into how is this helping the business make money or how is this uh, possibly going to help the company lose money? That's a problem. Build a culture where you invite everybody to understand how the business wins, and I'll take it a step further, create a compensation and incentive system that allows everybody to participate in the wins. Show me the incentives and I'll show you the outcome. That's very simple. You get what you incentivize. Every process is perfectly designed for the results that it gets. Long-term games are the most profitable games. When you're having to do something in a short window, you are betting more that everything will go right, and oftentimes that's not how the world works. Creating long-term opportunities and playing long games is where the majority of the most wealthy and successful people in this world have benefited from. Not everybody's going to win the lottery, but folks that can think out in years and decades also have an ability to make smarter and more rational decisions if you are trying to jam a decision into a one or two year window i'm not saying you can't do very well but you're playing a different game long-term games give time for things to develop to grow for things to compound you know anybody that knows about compounding knows it's not till the latter years that you get your largest. Largest gains. The biggest issue is most people never give themselves time to get there. Writing down your ideas is a good way to gauge how good or bad they really are. I can just say this from experience. Every idea can often sound good in your head. It's like a dopamine hit. Most ideas, when you go to write them down, you realize in the first five minutes, it's a pretty terrible idea. And if you don't even have the ability to write your full idea out on paper, you know it's a bad idea. And so when I have an idea that I think is going to be a game changer or something that I'm going to try and implement in the business, if I can't get through at least writing it down, I know it's bad. It also, even for when it's good, helps you articulate the idea more and it helps you communicate it better. Just because you know in your head what you think you're saying doesn't mean the person listening heard what you thought they heard. Writing it down helps create a better form of communication. As an LP, I want to invest in profitable GPs. They have a lot more weapons to create value and therefore returns. I want to invest in companies that are in it to make money. Profitable businesses can hire great people. They can invest in technology, businesses, and processes. And ultimately, it's those people that are going to be the value drivers. And so when I am talking to a GP, I want to know, are you profitable? How does your operation work? investing is one thing but having the people to execute on that investment for long periods of time through ups and down cycles matters and a profitable gp will often be there a lot longer and have a better uh, team on the field than a non-profitable gp join a peer group or an industry group if you can ypo has been one of the best things that i've ever done ypo changed my life It is a group of eight guys that I meet with monthly in a structured meeting, and I can be as transparent and raw with them as anybody I know in my life. And that is one of the most comforting things that I've ever come across, when you can walk in and tell people things that you can't tell a lot of people and say it with complete confidentiality. A lot of the biggest things in my business have come out of sitting in a YPO forum meeting and hearing what other people are up to or how they're implementing or a, a certain presentation. On a more macro level, going to industry um, conferences or meetings where you get to have a chance to meet lots of people has been life-changing. And it doesn't have to be YPO. But if you can find a group of like-minded individuals that you can share raw ups and downs of your life, business, parenting, marriage, faith, all of those, it will change your life. It certainly has mine. Use some type of personality or job trait testing before hiring people. There are so many, call it a personality test, a uh, job habits test, uh, how someone will show up in the work environment. These are backed with lots of data in some of the smartest minds in the world, it is insane in today's world that people would continue to hire people without at least considering who that person is. What I've learned after hiring lots of people is that everybody shows up well in an interview. Often people show up as not themselves in an interview. They will say whatever they need to say to get the job. That is human nature. Have you ever seen a bad resume before? Of course not. But when you can put some type of test behind it, some type of science behind it to give you better odds of not just hiring the right person, but the person that has the right personality characteristics to be good at that job. It's insane to me that in 2022, people would write this off as something unbelievably important. We started using Culture Index four or five years ago, and I'm not even saying you have to use that one. But not using something is a little bit reckless, in my opinion. This is amazing stuff that has helped us hire the right people for the right seat. And everybody should be doing it. Good manners like please and thank you go a long way. It is just amazing to me how rude some adults really are. Um, The simplest things that we learn as children can make the biggest difference. You don't have to go above and beyond and be you know, the kindest person on the earth, but basic manners go a long way and they're always noticed. Anger can get us in trouble and pride will keep us there. We live in a world right now where the default is to get angry about anything and everything. And we stay angry because we have such pride that we can't admit that maybe we shouldn't be angry about something, or maybe we should forgive somebody, or maybe we made a mistake. It's our all biggest faults. I know it's mine. Anger can get us in trouble and pride will keep us there. Which led to my next one. Be the bigger person and forgive. Much harder said than done. So many of the issues in this world today come from one simple fact. People will not forgive. We have all fucked up. Big things, small things. Medium things, it doesn't matter. We are all who we are because we had parents that would forgive us. We have friends that would forgive us. We had coworkers that would forgive us. Our children will forgive us. Just because you don't know somebody or don't know them that well doesn't give you permission to not forgive. And when I see people that are in a funk or they're justifying that somebody wronged me or they said something that I disagreed with, and therefore I am going to be angry and I'm gonna let my pride keep me there. So many of your issues that you're dealing with right now can be over in an hour if after listening to this, you will call that person up and forgive them for what they did to you. Celebrate wins. I did a terrible job of this early in my career. I have always expected to win. It's just how I was built. So when I win, it actually doesn't come as such a surprise to me. But what I've realized is going years and years without celebrating gets boring. And when you've built a team, it's really incredible to celebrate wins with your team. They don't have to even be big wins. They can be small wins. But I'm trying to get better at celebrating wins, whether it be in business, whether it be at home, whether it be with my kids. Everybody loves a good celebration. And I would just recommend celebrating more of your wins. A company should run off some type of operating system. EOS, EOS is a great place to start. Gino Wickman wrote a book called Traction that is created the entrepreneur's operating system. There are other operating systems out there. But if you're a small company, this is, in my opinion, the absolute best system for really changing how your business functions, how people are held accountable, how communication happens across the company. And how goals are set. Too many companies think hiring is the solution when most don't even truly understand the issues they have. I'm speaking from experience here. I see companies all the time hire out of the thought that they think they're solving a problem with this hire, when in reality, they don't truly understand the problem that they're trying to solve. This is how companies get bloated. If you can't truly identify the issue in your business, then you can't truly truly understand if another person is going to be what solves it. Most of the problems happen from wrong person, wrong seat, or not identifying the problem. Laziness is when you just throw another body at an issue. We did this so many times. So if you are going to hire someone that you think is solving an issue, and you truly don't understand that issue, you're on your way to a really bloated company. So just spend more time understanding what the issue is. It doesn't mean there isn't an issue and doesn't mean you don't need to hire someone. But often you see mistakes made when the issue isn't fully understood and you hire anyway. One of my favorites, you're an average of the five people you keep closest. I've talked about this on other episodes. If you surround yourself with a bunch of drug addicts, you're probably gonna become a drug addict. You probably already are a drug addict, actually. There would be no reason to surround yourself with drug addicts daily if you weren't already a drug addict or on your way to becoming one. If you wanted to be an amazing golfer, you probably wouldn't go hang out with five football players every day. You'd find five great golfers to surround yourself with. If you're trying to become a better dad, surround yourself with great dads the great thing about the internet and podcasting and other things is you can actually surround yourself with people that you don't really know because you can listen to them you can read their content you can read what they have to say but if there's a problem in your life and you're looking to solve it one of the things i often do is go who are who have i surrounded myself with right now and what you'll usually find is you're influenced most deeply by the people that are closest to you. And so for me, that's always been something huge is who's going to be close to me because it does have a dramatic impact. And I've made a lot of shitty decisions in my life. I've done some things I'm not proud of. And often when I go back to those moments in time, there were folks in my life that – um, not like they were trying to cause harm to me they were just into the same things that i was in and it felt natural and i've probably been that person to somebody else at times where i probably wasn't the best influence but regardless you are an average of the five people you keep closest and the great news is if you're not happy with what you're seeing around you it's a simple decision to change that great accounting is so important it's the language of business it is amazing to me how many companies think that their accounting is some you know side project that they should be doing. How do you know how your business is doing if you do not do regular accounting? It is the language of business. You know, it's amazing. I've done some venture investing over the years. How many startup companies have not even thought through how they're gonna account for their business? They'll raise millions of dollars, hire a great team, and have no idea how they're gonna account for it. If you don't know your accounting, you don't know how your business is truly doing. Now, you might have a gut feel for how you're doing, but I know a lot of companies that have gone broke on a gut feel. The hard cold truth is in the numbers. Uh, this was a fun one. Put as many things on a credit card as you can and collect the points. This isn't to say spend more than your budget, just saying pay with a credit card. If somebody will accept a credit card other than cash, pay for it with a credit card, then pay it off of cash. I don't think I've paid for a plane flight in 10 years. I'm not paying any more for anything by using a credit card, but it's an easy way to you know, get cash back, pay for expenses. Uh, you, you get to uh, at least create a 30-day payable, so it helps with cash flow. Find a great credit card and use it. Again, that's not to say if your budget's 1,000, get a credit card so you can spend 2,000. It's just saying pay that first 1,000 with a credit card and at least get 2.5% back or some type of points or something of that nature. Owning real estate is not passive. Don't let anybody tell you that it is. The only exception I guess you could make is uh, a single tenant, triple net, you know, dollar general on a 15 year lease where they're taking care of the property and getting checks. But if they move out after 15 years, um, something very passive became very active. If you truly want to own real estate passively, buy a REIT or invest as an LP with a GP. Hire interns like you would a full-time employee. Some of our best people started as interns. It's amazing to me how many people hire interns and put a totally different spin on how they'll hire an intern than how they would hire a full-time employee. We give our interns uh, the same uh, process to work with us that we would a full-time person, but we also give them an incredible experience when they get here. And I would tell you most of our, our best junior hires are interns that convert into full-time employees. There is nothing better. Not to say we haven't had a lot of great employees hired that weren't interns, but, an in, but if you hire an intern like you hire a full-time employee, it is amazing the young talent that you'll get. And if, you're, and if your uh, mindset is, oh, well, they're just an intern, well, then guess what you're going to get? Ah, oh, that's just an intern. Tell your story to everyone. As soon as you're tired of saying it, they'll just start listening. Especially in the world we live in today where there's a lot of noise, your story matters. And I've had to learn this more and more. Tell it as often as you can because just at the time you're sick of saying it, people are starting to listen. So whether you're good at telling your story or somebody else in the company, keep telling it. It matters. Most things take longer and are harder than initially planned. I won't really expand on that. It's just the way of the world. You know, you see, I've never seen a projection that wasn't up and to the right, and I've never seen a projection of, you know, we're going to get this done in a year. Um, Although I disagree with Bill Gates on a lot of things, I do agree with him on this. Uh, You underestimate, you overestimate what you can do in a year and you underestimate what you can do in 10. Skin in the game always, period, end of story. There are very few secrets in business. The more you share, the more that will come around. Abundance mindset. Most of the people in this world that are not seeing the success that they want to see also show up every day thinking that everything needs to be a secret, that they can't share with anybody, or that the pie is too small for them to participate. It's absolutely the wrong mindset. There is enough for everybody to win if you believe there is enough for everybody to win. I share what we do in business all day, every day. And the world tends to give you back what you give it and sometimes in spades. The most successful people I know share. And when I say there are very few secrets, sure, maybe Apple has some secret on some technology that they're building that we haven't seen yet. But even I would argue that those secrets were probably taken from someone else, or maybe Elon Musk has some secret about Tesla. But for the majority of us on the planet, all you're doing is working on something that somebody else worked on before people want to work with people that are open and trustworthy and not secretive. So think about that, have that abundance mindset. For software to work, everyone must be bought in and someone on the team should be accountable for its implementation, training, and success. I'll just be pretty simple on this one. Most of the time when software is implemented in a company, it is, you know, somebody has an idea, Somebody buys it, kind of goes through a half-assed training. They kind of tell everybody about it and give them a half-assed training and expect everybody to be working on it. One, before you even go in on a software, there should be a lot of people that have bought into the idea that a software is needed to solve X problem. That's step one. Step two is you should have looked at a lot of different softwares and at least had a team or a lead team that has said, this is the one that we're gonna do. Number three, there should be somebody somebody or a group that is accountable for that software being successfully implemented in the company, which means it has been onboarded and it people have been trained and that people are held accountable to using the software. And the last thing I would add to that is, a successful software implementation can take months, if not years to do. And so give yourself the grace companies that, that are resistant to new software and, and often use the excuse, well, you know, the last five things we've used didn't work. It's not because the software didn't work. It's the process to implement the software that didn't work. The greatest software on the planet isn't going to solve your problems if nobody uses it correctly and makes it second nature. So focus on how you deliver software inside a company, not just the software itself. Culture is what you're willing to accept. If you're willing to accept mediocre work, people showing up to, to work late, employees that are rude to each other, uh, people that don't have to hit their goals and you, and you still let them on the team, then that becomes your culture. You know The world has a way of gravitating towards what you'll accept, not the top of the company. Whatever you're willing to accept is what your culture is. The best companies I know, the best teams I've seen have very high standards and very high expectations. Ideas with no execution are hallucinations. Ask me how I know this. I have great ideas every day. Everybody has a great idea. If you do nothing about it, who cares? It's just business is bullshit. Doing work with family and friends makes it much more than that. Business is people interacting. It's emotional. And when you get friends and family in the middle of it, you can't just put it's just business, even if it's not friends and family, to be honest with you. The best people I know treat every relationship with care. It just so happens when there are great friends and family in the mix, it gets even more intense. So don't just enter that situation, in my opinion, with it's just business. Never owe people money, always pay your bank and debts, want to win in business, pay on time or early. People love getting paid. They love getting paid for the work they've done and they love it when it's on time. There is nobody worse than the person that's late. If you owe somebody a bet, pay it on time. No, i've never met one person in my life that likes being paid late or doesn't like being paid at all never just because someone is good at a certain job or skill doesn't mean they'll be a great manager of people two completely different skill sets i think young people often think that getting a promotion to a manager is an actual promotion you know maybe it is based on pay i don't know it depends on the company but you know, being good at accounting doesn't mean you're going to be good at managing a bunch of accountants. It is so such a different skill set. Every time I thought, if I get there, I'll be happy, I was wrong. The journey is the destination. If you're a driven person, we, ha- we like to have these hallucinations that if I can just get one more deal done, everything will be okay. Well, if that was the case, Apple or Tesla or you know, some of the greatest companies in the world, Amazon, would have never been created. They would have hit that ceiling way long ago. It's the journey that people actually enjoy. And so rather than kind of create these fictitious destinations in your head, go all in on the journey and the process. And what you'll realize is you'll find a lot more joy there than expecting it to be you know, when you get your first million dollar deal done. Don't ask for advice from people who haven't walked the walk. That's pretty self-explanatory. I would never ask advice on how to buy industrial real estate from a uh, social media manager or Johnny. A credit score in America is as important as your social security number. I'll just leave it at that. Your credit score matters. Learn to have tough conversations. It makes business easier and the people around you better. I think one of the things that makes most businesses spoil is this inability for people to be candid and direct with feedback. They resist any ability to tell somebody negative feedback. Maybe that's the world we live in today where everybody has to be so politically correct. But the truth is most people yearn for that constructive criticism. There is no way to get better if you think every day you're doing great. The best companies in the world have a culture that is accepting of tough conversations and don't take things personally. They take it constructively. It makes for a better business and people can learn more when they know what they need to learn from. So lean into that. And I'll go to one more. Work with people who take accountability for their actions, good and bad. Create a culture where people will take accountability for The things they did right and the things they did wrong. Uh, We live in a world today where it's a bunch of finger pointing. It's always somebody else's fault, and that is a bad way to live. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay that not everything went right. Take accountability for it and own up. I will tell you, as a business owner, the most impressive skill set any one of my team members could bring to the team each day is accountability. When you're accountable for your work, that is the true um, you know, work like you own it. Um, that delivers the best work. You get the respect of your peers quicker. Nobody respects somebody that points fingers at everybody else, period, end of story. It just doesn't happen. And I will kind of leave that as the things that I went through um, that were important to me. And I'll just wrap it up on one thing that's kind of been heavy on my heart lately. I know that y'all listen to me for you know real estate and business and and maybe some of this has to do with that. Um, but today's the 200th episode, and I'm just getting some things that I think about off my chest. And this is the uh, kind of cancel culture world that we have of kind of created, where the cancel culture is um, their mission statement is basically do not forgive do not apologize, do not give anybody any grace. And if you sniff blood, attack, attack, attack until they are destroyed. And we're doing that to our folks that are most prevalent in the media. Maybe they're famous for sports business. It doesn't matter. But we have made a decision as a country that if you have a name, we are going to try and cancel you. And we are looking for any reason to do so. And so what you're'll I'll use an example maybe in sports, and I won't call out any one athlete because this has happened multiple times, some worse uh, some worse it's happened worse to some than others. But if I'm just going to use rationality here and how I look at this stuff, um, it would seem like cancel culture. You know, could be prevented, or maybe it's just profitable for somebody, or maybe it makes people feel really good to not forgive and be angry and to have no ability to hear things that they don't want to hear. You know, we live in a world today where if I say something, even if I don't intend to insult you or make you feel uncomfortable, but you take it that way anyway, I am guilty for even saying it, whether my intent was pure or not. And what we are finding today is people take sound bites of what people say, or they take what they say and and connotate the most negative possible meaning to it and hold them accountable. So I say something that I have no idea could offend anybody. I'm in a different culture, I come from a different place, but somebody somewhere heard it and they took it offensively. We live in a world now where I'm guilty for having said something because somebody else on the other end couldn't handle it. That's, one, it's terrifying, it's toxic, and what it's really saying is there is no room for nuance anymore, and that's a, that's a, a weird world to live in. So I'll take it a step further. All these companies pay these athletes millions of dollars to sponsor These people. Now, these might be people that are the best golfers or football players or basketball players in the world, but at the end of the day, they're human beings. And every human being is unbelievably flawed and they're going to make a lot of mistakes. And to think that because somebody is great at golf or great at football, that they are uh, not subject to mistakes is irrational, number one. But when these athletes, make a comment or do something that is easy to attack what you see are a bunch of people virtue signaling people that apparently have never made mistakes of their own thank god they're not famous because if those mistakes were made public they might get in trouble but the culture is do not forgive that person attack them at all costs and and keep on the gas until their lives have been destroyed. And the truth is nobody really won because the same people that are participating in that are already on to the next person and how they can cancel that person. So then these companies go and they say, oh, you know, Mr. Athlete, Mrs. Athlete, I can no longer sponsor you. And they think they're doing God's work by doing that. But what they're really doing to their company is going, hey, I know we sponsored this individual for 20 years and i know this 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 individual is a high paid athlete and they did they they put on this perfect persona for the public uh, eye which we know is just that a persona that is used for the public eye but is very likely not uh perfect if if you saw everything they did in private we're just so co- we're very comfortable now as a society accepting that just cuz someone acts well on camera that that is uh is all we're looking for we don't want to see anybody imperfect but then you go and you take the sponsorship away and what the message you're really sending is you might be virtue signaling that uh the the message is that we don't agree with what that person had to say or what they did and that might be the case but guess what we live in a world where people disagree with what people said or did all the time the message you're really sending your company um is we don't know how to forgive. We don't know how to show grace. We don't know how to deal with things that we don't agree with anymore. And that's really toxic. There's so many opportunities for companies to stand up for that individual and maybe condemn what they said and say they don't agree, but also say, we understand humans make mistakes and we're going to stick with you. That message is so much more pure than the we're done with you message. Because I'll just end it by saying every single one of us does things every single day behind closed doors or whatever, that if it was on the front page of a paper would probably not be that comfortable. And we need to extend grace, especially to the people in the public eye, so that we still get talented people with leadership qualities that that will take on those responsibilities. We are creating a country right now Where the best of us have no desire to want to lead our country because of the fear that if they slip up on one thing, their lives and their families' lives could be over. For what? For so that some people on Twitter can get a kick out of it. It's not to say that what they've done or said isn't right, but I think we really need to think about this. um, If we want our best showing up and leading this country, we need to practice forgiving, grace being able to deal with things that we don't like. Guess what? It's a very flawed and imperfect world. And if you're going to live your life thinking that everything around you needs to be perfect, you're in for a tough, tough life. So I want to end it on thank you to everybody who has stuck with me for 200 episodes, who have dealt with uh, my imperfections. I'm continuing to get sharper. I'm trying to get better This has been one of the highlights of my life and I look forward to the next 200 episodes. I hope that you got some value out of today's episode and I look forward to uh, hearing from some of you. So thank you for continuing to join me on this great journey and I'll see you next week. Everyone, it's Chris here again. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or subscribe on YouTube. Thanks again and I'll see you on the next episode. Chris Powers is the founder and chairman of Fort Capital LP. All opinions from Chris and guests of the Fort Podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Fort Capital LP. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. The Fort with Chris Powers is produced by Straight Up Podcasts.